You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> dragons, uh, explosions, <laughs> cities on fire. <laughs> when, you, when you think of revelation, when you think about the actual, this, this term tribulation, uh, what are some images then, uh, that come to mind when you think about some just reading of revelation or uh, hopefully you've spent some time in this past week since our last uh, time together reading through chapter 6 through 19. Uh, of revelation and think about it. what are some images that come to mind that you see when you when you think about this so so go ahead and turn to, to revelation 6 in your bible if you had your bible handy and uh, i'll just go ahead while you're getting there is uh, say we're not going to read every word of 14 chapters for one sermon okay we're going to hit a lot of high points we are going to read a lot of, of scripture today and in some ways uh, just kind of focus on the historical reality of the the context that the letter of revelation took place in and my inclination was to prolong this series about three more months and methodically wade through verse by verse symbolic metaphor by symbolic metaphor but through through study and prayer i believe that revelation 6 through 19 have basically one single message so we're covering it in one single sermon so so we won't read every word today of these 14 chapters but 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 maybe you, hopefully you did that to prepare yourself so if you did you probably have some questions and hopefully today we'll find some answers and uh we'll, we'll and for those answers we don't find we'll keep looking We'll keep searching. We'll keep pondering and praying. Our big idea today for for Revelation 6 through 19 is our hope is not a secret escape from a doomed world, our doomed circumstances, or from our troubles, but in Jesus who redeems and restores. Our hope is not in in an escape from our circumstances, but in Jesus who redeems and restores. So let's start with this scroll that we talked about last week, a scroll with seven seals. And that was uh, introduced to us in chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb to open the the scroll and to break the seals and open the scroll. So let's read what happens as these scrolls uh, seals are broken. Revelation six verse one. As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked up and I saw a white horse standing there. Its rider, rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. When the Lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come! Then a horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. When the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the living, uh, the, the heard the third living being say, "Come!" I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, "A loaf of wheat bread and three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive oil and wine." When the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being saying, Come! I looked up and saw a horse whose color was a pale green, 
its rider was named Death, and his companion was the Grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and disease and wild animals. And the Lamb broke the fifth seal, and I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what has been done to us? Then a white robe was given to each one of them, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, who had been martyred, had joined them. I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as blood. Then the stars fell from the sky to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. That's verse 13. We'll pause there and we'll pick up some, uh, some other passages in just a minute. So when we see this, the, the seals of the, the scroll are broken and awesome things happen. And we begin with the understanding of about who or what these events referred to during the time of the original readers. Okay, so, so seal one is broken and when we see the first of four horsemen of the apocalypse. And remember, apocalypse means full disclosure. Apocalypse means re- revealed or revelation. It does not mean mean end of the world. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse are the full horsemen, the full uh, images that are revealed, the full disclosure of what's going on that God is giving us. So a rider on a white horse, the one who was given a crown. Now who would have been given a crown? Caesar, the Caesar, right? Caesar Augustus, who was 27 BC to 14 AD, was the Roman emperor at the time of the birth of Jesus. It's interesting that Augustus was famously given a crown unlike any before him. And he was the first to receive the title Pontifex Maximus, which is uh, which means greatest high priest. He is also Augustus who introduced the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, which means we'll keep the peace at any cost. He literally went out to conquer the world and extend the Roman Empire. Now, seal number two is broken, and we see a rider on a red horse with a great sword. Now, the emperor following Augustus was Caesar Tiberius, 14 to 37 AD. He had been uh, one of Rome's greatest generals, greatest war heroes, before a series of strange events led to him becoming the emperor. Seal number three is broken, and a rider on a black horse carrying a pair of scales appears. And the next emperor after Tiberius was Caesar Caligula. Caligula Caligula was the Caesar from 37 to 41 AD. And Caligula claimed to be a god, and he squandered the the national treasury of Rome with with, with the extravagant lifestyle. So he actually extorted money from prominent Roman citizens in an outrageous reign of injustice, hence the scales of injustice. Now, seal number four is broken, and a writer named Death, on a pale green, also translated as ashen gray, uh, horse, his companion is the grave, uh, bringing cruel death, bringing famine. So the next emperor was Caesar Claudius from 41 to 54 AD. And according to Acts chapter 11, verse 28, his reign coincided with a great famine, which, which also corresponds to what Jesus said would happen at that time. In Matthew 24, 7, Jesus says, This is about to happen. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And this happened in the time of Caesar Claudius. Now, seal number five is broken. And we see not a rider on a horse now, but an altar. An altar and the souls of all who have been killed for preaching Jesus. 
the martyrs. The first, the first four seals correspond to the Roman emperors from the time of the birth of Christ that led troops into battle, hence riders upon horses. But the fifth emperor, since Jesus' birth, didn't, didn't personally lead troops into battle, but carried out the most devastating attack on the church. Caesar Nero was his name. From 54 to 68 AD, Nero reigned in Rome. And on July 19th and 64 AD, Nero blamed the Christians for an arson for the major part of Rome. You may have heard the, the thing about uh, Nero and fiddling while Rome burns. That's where this, this image comes from. Now, sin number six is broken, and we get the earthquakes, and, and the sun goes dark, and the moon turns blood red, and stars fall from the sky. So the, the fifth seal uh, represents significant people, but the sixth seal is an event, which is linked to the person behind the fifth seal, Nero. The event was the destruction of the Jerusalem, uh, of Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem, which took place in 70 AD. That's the fifth seal, with, with two years of declaring Within two years of, of declaring war on Christians, Nero responded violently to the Jewish revolt that was taking place by ordering the destruction of Jerusalem in 66 AD. And historians note that Nero ordered the general from Syria to, to attack Jerusalem. And Christians at the time understood this invasion and the setting up of the Roman insignia in the holy place as a fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy in Matthew 24, 15 through 21. See what happened? was they went into to Jerusalem and they set up the Roman insignia, the, the, the symbol of the empire, right there in the temple. And here's what Jesus had said in Matthew 24, the day is coming when you will see that Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down to the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. This was Jesus saying this is going to happen, and it happened. In Revelation now, the expression sun, moon, and stars refer to the ancient nation of Israel. Sun, moon, and stars refers to Israel. This is spoken about by the prophet Joel. You can look up Joel 3, 14, uh, 3.14. Uh, Jesus speaks of this, Matthew 24.29. The sun and the moon and stars represent Israel. Now, they, now the, the central theme of the judgment in Revelation is God's retribution on those who reject Jesus' Messiah. That's, that's the judgment. You, you, you reject Jesus as the Messiah, you reject the Savior, and here's the, the judgment is, is on you. The, the new covenant in Jesus stresses that the descendants of Abraham are not qualified simply because they have ancestry, but only because they put their faith in Jesus. Now let's move up to, to, to Revelation 7 and uh, verse 4. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. Now it gives the list of the tribes. Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin, all numbering 12,000 each. 
After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and the, and the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes. And held palm branches in their hands. Now we'll come back to that. In Revelation, in the expression, the sun, the moon, and stars refers to ancient Israel. We got that. Now here, in the apocalyptic literature, we see numbers. Twelve, it, it symbolizes redemption. The number twelve, there are twelve tribes of Israel. There are twelve disciples of Jesus. The twelve is a representation of redemption. And ten, as a number in this type of literature, it means totality. Ten means the total amount. It's the total, uh, total amount, okay? So when a number is cubed in op uh, apocalyptic literature, it is used to stress the ultimate. It's used to stress the maximum. It's, it's, it's means, it means all. So it means the full amount. This is, this, with this in mind, 144,000 is represented by 12,000 from each tribe. 12 times 12 is 144. Multiply that by 10 cubed, which is 1,000. And I know I'm giving you a bunch of math, but I'm just telling you all that to say the 144,000 represents the ultimate redemption of the true Israel. Not the ancient nation of Israel, but, but the true Israel, speaking uh, specifically taking place during the time of Jesus through the destruction of the temple. And if that weren't enough for us to understand that 144,000 is not the specific number of those who will be saved. Look at those next verses. We just we just kind of read. After this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every <laughs> Here's the here's here's the reality. It's not 144,000. It's a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Okay? So so John John has shown the redeemed of Israel that, that, that generation and, and a glimpse of what is to come. Redeemed people from every nation. And the seventh seal is broken and we're introduced to the sound of seven trumpets. The sound of seven trumpets. So we'll find this uh, beginning in, in chapter 8, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. I saw... The seven angels who, who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. The first trumpet sounds. Now, we're not going to read all of this. I'm just going to tell you what happens. Hopefully, prayerfully, you have read this. Uh, if not, take some time and read your, for yourself. The, the first trumpet sounds, and hail and fire mixed with blood fall from the sky to the earth. So, so here's the symbolism. The Roman strategy for taking a city was centered around the catapult. They would literally seem to rain down fire, <laughs> hailstones mixed with fire and blood, down through, through catapulting onto cities as they conquered. The second trumpet sounds, and a mountain of fire is cast into the sea, and the, scene became, the sea became blood. So we continue with our Caesar, Caesar Vespasian, who, who, who ruled from 69 to 79 AD. He pursued the people of Judah into the sea, and many were drowned, some were crushed, others killed themselves, and any that reached the shore were slain by the Roman soldiers. Literally, the sea became his blood. Then the third trumpet sounds, and a great star called Wormwood. It falls into the drinking water, making it poison. Wormwood is a plant that symbolizes bitterness. This is a this this bitterness. Uh, it's of the star which fell from heaven, an, an emperor destroying the people of the nation due to Israel's abandonment of God. This is what this means. 
It's, it's a bitter, it's bitter poison. An emperor destroying the people of the nation due to their own abandonment of God. The fourth trumpet sounds, and a, and a third of the sun, moon, and stars are struck into darkness. And an eagle announces, terror, 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 or, or whoa, whoa, whoa. Not, not whoa like, like Ric Flair, whoa, whoo, but it's whoa, W-O-E, whoa, three times. Now, sun, moon, and stars refer to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And it signifies that Israel will be dislodged for not honoring God. And the tribulation, which is the terror of the road, this is where we get the tribulation, the terror and the woe, it will be, it will befall Jerusalem. This tribulation will befall Jerusalem, the terror and the woe. Then, then the fifth trumpet sounds. And we see a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. It was given the, in this, and it was given the key to the abyss. I love that word abyss, right? So, so when opened, a cloud of smoke rose up and blocked the sun. And when we see the creepiest horse, if you've read this, there are these horse-sized, scorpion-tailed, lion-teeth locusts with, with human faces and long flowing hair. They tormented people for five months under the direction of their king named the Destroyer. Now, this is called the First Terror, and it's not a good day. <laughs> From a historical perspective, Rome was simply carrying out retribution on a rebellious people. But from a heavenly perspective from from god's view this is the result of rebellion rebellion and refusal to turn to god and this is to last five months history shows that roman siege on jerusalem began on the 14th day of the fourth month ended on the eighth day of the ninth month five months then the sixth trumpet sounds Four angels stand, are stationed at the Euphrates River. They're released to destroy a third of the population with an army of 200 million mounted troops. An interesting historical twist is that at the time, Romans actually had four battalions of their army stationed at the Euphrates River. This reveals much of the same as the fifth trumpet. It's, 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 it's one of the main points of revolution, he, of the revelation. Heaven and earth are linked. Heaven and earth are linked. Because the religious leaders have rejected Jesus as the Messiah, God allows the forces of darkness to attack those who have turned away from him through the Romans. It was was a physical battle. It was also very much a spiritual war. The reference to a third of the people being destroyed refers to the historical slaughter of the Jews during this period. This is we're talking about 66 to 70 AD. And, and it's the, the, you know, this reference is not to, about some yet to come tri- tribulation. It was about this, this time in, in history. During this time, John is shown two witnesses. And so John, using Old Testament history, uh, imagery, he, he says that these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before God. These witnesses give their testimony. The testimony is Jesus is Lord. And they're killed by the beast from the abyss. Now, three and a half days later, God breathed life into them, and an earthquake struck, killing 7,000 people. This is all in the vision. This is the second terror. And again, it's not a good day. The two witnesses are the first century Christians, Jews and Gentiles. Jews who, 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 Jews who witnessed Christ Jesus and were prepared to die for him. This, and, and, and Gentiles who had, who had begun to believe. And this all took place during a three and a half year period. And here we see the symbolism of three and a half days. And and when thousands of Jewish Christians were killed. The underlying message is hope. Hope to believers who are suffering. Here's the hope. 
Seven symbolizes wholeness and complete. Three and a half symbolizes incomplete. The Roman Empire could be incom- would be incomplete in its attempt to destroy the church. That's the point. By the way, the historian named Josephus has in a book called The Wars of the Jews, book, book four, notes that this tremendous earthquake literally happened at the time of, of the, uh, that, that uh, this was to take place. Then the seventh trumpet sounds, and the loud voices in heaven begin shouting, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders, representing all of the redeemed of Christ Jesus, fell on their faces and worshipped Him. In heaven the temple is opened, and the Ark of the Covenant is seen, lightning flash, thunder crash, an earthquake, hailstorm. This is bad news, good news. It's an announcement that, that changes everything. The seventh trumpet announces the end of the first covenant and the beginning of the new covenant. That is what's taking place here. It's not the end of the world. Revelation is not about the end of the world. It's about the, the end or the fulfillment of one covenant and the beginning of a new covenant that will never end. That's exciting. And then we have the next section that causes us to stand back and just kind of, what, what is this about? It's, it's the section is about a woman, a dragon, and two beasts. And so we turn to Revelation chapter 12. And if you're trying to follow along in your Bible, we just covered uh, <laughs> quite a bit of, of Scripture here. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she carried, she cried out because her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars of the sky, and he threw them into the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. We're reminded that this is the revelation of Jesus the Messiah. And that Jesus is the subject. The woman represents Israel, through which we have a Savior. We have the Savior. The dragon character is the ancient serpent called the devil, right? That's Satan, the deceiver. And again, this is about the Roman Empire's war having been, having been deceived by Satan against Christians and the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Here we find one of Revelation's uh, great eternal principles for us. God's people overcome Satan by, by remaining faithful to Jesus. God's people overcome evil, overcome, persevere by remaining faithful to Jesus. Now let's turn to, to chapter 13. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, and it had seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns on its head, and written on each of in each head were the names were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the, the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and, and great authority. 
I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshipped the beast. Who is this great beast, they exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? The second beast, right? His is the second beast. Or, or this is this is actually the first beast. There's two beasts. Uh, the beast. He has seven heads. Uh, s- seven symbolize symbolism for world emperor. Seven. It's complete. The world emperor. The beast has ten horns, symbolizing for the, the allegiance of other rulers, which is the Roman Senate and the sub- subservient foreign kings, all all subservient to the world emperor. The beast is empowered by the dragon. Now the beast was the Roman Empire, as led by Caesar Nero. Something a lot of people miss because they haven't actually read Revelation, though, is that there are two beasts. The second beast uh, is found in verse 11. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. It had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He, he exercised all... I wonder how they know what a dragon sounds like. <laughs> he exercised all the authority of the first beast, and it required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast with, with the, whose fatal wound had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth in the sky while everyone was watching. And and with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast, who was fatally wounded, and then come back to life. He He was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one who understands solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So the second beast emerges uh, and encourages the people to worship the first beast. The, the first beast, the, the first beast was the Roman Empire, led by Caesar Nero. The second beast was Judaism in the first century. And John 19 even shows this. As Jesus is being crucified, the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. Take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. John 19. This is the turning point that has led to what's taking place in the Revelation. So people are given a mark on their right hand and their forehead, right? The mark of the beast. And no one could buy or sell anything without this mark. This is 666. It's not 666. We have been my whole life hearing, be careful of 666, the mark of the beast. It is not 636s. It is the number 666. And the point is that it's not God's mark. The point is it's the mark of a man and the empire, in this empire. Who is the man that most people are trying to please? The Roman emperor. So, the, the empire and the emperor as seen as one and the same here. And historically, Roman names had a numerical value, and the numerical value for Caesar Nero is, guess what, 666. The mark of the beast is about the way people conduct business. In order to buy and sell in the empire, you have to swear allegiance to the empire. Now, in that culture, you would have to take a phrase, Caesar is Lord. You would have to say Caesar is Lord. And the first century Christians 
we're saying Jesus is Lord. Now let's get into Armageddon, which we go to chapter 15 for. Verse uh, 5, Revelation 15, 5. Then I looked and saw the temple in heaven. God's tabernacle was thrown wide open. The seven angels who were holding the seven plagues came out of the temple. They were clothed in spotless white linen with gold sashes across their chest. Then one of the four living beings handed each of the seven angels a gold bowl filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and power. No one could enter the temple until the seven angels had completed pouring out the seven plagues. Without taking time here to read all of the seven plagues <laughs> that are in the seven bowls, we simply need to understand that the seven plagues, that the plagues in the seven bowls describe a form of judgment upon Jerusalem. What we see is the false prophet, Israel. We see the beast, Rome, are actually in league with the dragon, Satan, sending many frogs, demons. Now, in chapter 16, verse 16, it's where we see the one and only mention of Armageddon, which literally, literally refers to the Valley of Megiddo. And the Valley of Megiddo, which is used symbolically for the war on Jerusalem, since it's the site of so many battles in the, in the Old Testament. The Valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, is the, the, the site of so many battles in the Old Testament. So it's used here symbolically. Now, verse uh, 19 of chapter 16 says, that the great city of Babylon split into three sections, and the cities of the cities of many nations fought, fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins, and He made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of His fierce wrath. And every island disappeared, and all the mountains were leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hail hailstorms weighing as much as seventy-five pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague and the hailstorm. <laughs> Babylon here is Jerusalem. And if you can look at the history of the people, uh, the nation, the people of Israel and Judea and Judah, um, Babylon was a big part of that. And Babylon was, is, is symbolic for the enemy of God, the enemy of God's people. And here, Jerusalem is equated with Babylon. Both Jerusalem and the temple, it says here that Babylon's divided into three. Jerusalem's divided into three parts. Jerusalem's divided at, by three walls. The temple was divided into three courts. Jerusalem today even is divided into the old city, the new city, and East Jerusalem. So, And, and how about those 75-pound uh, hailstones, right? That's, those are big hailstones. Well, the historian Josephus again records that the stones that were cast from the Roman catapults, they weighed a talent, which is 75 pounds. That's Armageddon. It's the battle. It's the, it's the symbolism for the battle that, that took place. Now we have the fall of Babylon, which is, uh, which is good that the Babylon falls. In chapter 17, we see there's this great prostitute called the Whore of Babylon. And the return of the beast, referred to as the Scarlet Beast, the prostitute represents Jerusalem. The beast represents Rome. And again, this is ancient time. I'm not talking about... That today, that Rome and and Jerusalem are these these things. This was what's taking place at the time uh, that the revelation is is in the context of, and in the resuming of the persecution of the church by another emperor after the death of Nero. That's what this is symbolizing. And Jerusalem is revealed to be guilty 
of the unjust deaths of Christian of Christ's witness, and and even in league with Rome and their attempts to wipe out Christians. Chapter seventeen, verse nine says that the, this calls to uh, for a mind of understanding. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Five kings have already fallen. The sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. The seven hills and the mountains give us further insight into the timeline of God's judgment of God, uh, uh, because the five kings, five kings have fallen. Julius Caesar, Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius. One now reigns, Nero. The seventh is yet to come, Vespasian, who along with his son Titus would brutally complete the destruction of Jerusalem, the fall of Babylon, in 70 AD. The fall of Babylon is the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. And then in chapter 19, we go on and kind of wrap it up for today with verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, and he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. His title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. <coughs> he will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. Come, come, gather together, for the great banquet of God is prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and all of humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their, and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse in his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast, and who had worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Man, what a scene. The first covenant ended at the cross of Jesus and finalized, it's finalized with the destruction of the temple. And Jesus says this in John 16, 33. I have told you all this so you may have peace of mind. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we experience, we experience tribulation today. Our hope is not in an escape from that tribulation. Your hope is not in a secret escape from a doomed world. Your hope, my hope, is in Jesus. Jesus himself and our eternal relationship with him. In Jesus, we have hope and that hope is for now. <laughs> we are thankful for this hope. And I would encourage you to the next step to take at this point is to prepare your heart by reading the rest of the story. Revelation 20 through 22. That is, that is the next step I'm taking. 
to prepare, to, to live this out, to say, to take all of this and prayerfully go, what is the next step you would have me do? And it's to really, it is to read the scripture, Revelation 20 through 22, and let that message remind us that this is about the hope we have in Jesus, not just in some day to come in some future age but now lord jesus thank you so much for the hope we have in you the hope that is now that you are now here you are with us and in your holy spirit you holy spirit you are guiding us you're bringing us comfort jesus your your crucifixion their blood which was slain has made us a kingdom of priests you have redeemed us people from from every nation and tribe and language and i'm thankful for that i'm thankful That there is this new covenant that gives life and hope and peace. And Lord, we we need it. Because Lord, this may have been about a terrible, terrible time in ancient days. And it is. But Lord, we go through terrible days right now. We go through tribulation right now. Some of us are in hell, a living hell right now. And you have today showed us our hope is not an escape, but in you, in this present moment, in the midst of our tribulation, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our mess. Lord, our hope is not in some escape, some secret escape from a doomed world or a doomed relationship, but our hope is in Jesus who redeems and restores. And we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.